0: Before we get to the episode we want you dear listener to ask yourself a question what have you done these past two years you know the pandemic hit us all really hard what have you really done other than perfect that matzo ball soup recipe of yours nothing now we all want to add purpose and meaning to our life and we just we have the way to really really make your dreams come true if you're listening You're likely interested in Israel with hopes of traveling here soon. Well, lucky for you, we've got the scoop on Masai's Israel journey. With an amazing range of life-changing opportunities in Israel, Masai has many, many programs. They've got gap year programs, academics, internships, volunteering and careers. The pandemic didn't stop them either promoting options to study remotely while living in Israel. You don't have to be fluent in Hebrew or break your bank account. They even supply partial funding so you can make a positive impact on the world. You can fuel your passion and you can make your travel dreams a reality. Go to MassahIsrael.org and find out more. February 2022, US inflation rose to a 40 year peak, a staggering 7.9%, which means that every month your dollar can buy less and less and less. This combined with the rising prices of both energy and other commercial goods may lead to an economic disaster, possibly more severe than anyone can imagine. The markets haven't been doing well either. And in the past, Several months, it seems most of the pandemic times earnings and high company valuations were literally scrapped. So, why is this happening? Who's to blame? And can something still be done, or is it too late? To answer these mind boggling questions and much more, we have with us today no other than David Wu. David Wu is a former Bank of America strategist, now CEO of David Wu Unbound, a global forum devoted to the promotion of fact based debates about markets, politics, and economics. In 2013, David was voted as one of the 12 smartest people on Wall Street by Business Insider Magazine. We are super, super thrilled to have him on the show today to talk about the economic problems we're all facing and how we might better prepare for what's to come. Thank you so much for
1: joining us. You're welcome.
0: Pleasure. So where do we start? I mean, are we doomed
1: uh, or or is there hope? I think the situation is pretty bad <laughs> at the moment. But I don't That's think and I think <laughs> and I think inflation is just one aspect of it. I mean, I think first of all, just to talk a little bit about inflation, I think, you know, something that you know, you guys probably look like you're in your thirties. You can't really relate to let I, mean, I can't relate to this either. But you know, people are worried now about stagflation. You know, stagflation is something that we haven't seen since the nineteen seventies. Okay. Now what is deflation and what what are we talking about here but first of all let me just tell you this the last 30 years have been a period of incredible prosperity around the world we saw rising productivity we saw rising standard of living we saw inflation coming down globally we saw about a billion people being pulled out of extreme poverty around the world so the last 30 years couldn't have been any better in fact if you take any random 30 years in world history the last two thousand years i don't think you could find easily another 30 years where so many people partook in this increased prosperity around the world now you say well why is that what happened in the last 30 years that we had this amazing prosperity i think there were three major factors one was of course the it revolution that really got the whole thing started in terms of raising productivity. I mean, think about this. It used to be the case, like you know, everybody had a secretary, okay, on Wall Street. By the time I left Wall Street last year, I think I share a secretary with 20 other people, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Because instead, you have Outlook, you have Ward you have Excel. I mean, so from that point of view, you can see what the efficiency gain was just from a very, very simple example like that. The second. Most important factor contributing to the prosperity of the last 30 years, of course, was the end of Cold War One. Right. In 1991, that was the former Soviet Union basically dissolved. Berlin Wall came down and that was an amazing basically development because for one thing, you know, created massive peace dividends. So all the money that governments until then were channeling towards building arms, defense, and so on and so forth, guess what? That money started to go somewhere else, into investing, education, healthcare, you name it. So that was another major, major thing, right? Mm -hmm. The integration of the former Soviet Union countries into the world economy, Poland, Hungary, that was a great story. (laughs) The third most important factor, okay, in the last 30 years contributing to the journey of prosperity of course was the entry of china into the world trade organization 10 years later okay in 2000 right that sort of culminated with the whole notion of globalization that things basically became outsourced in china the chinese started to basically grow the whole basically so that was economic dividend these three things contributed to this massive prosperity and guess what what's happening right now okay I'm talking about, of course, the war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. is putting two of these three factors into total jeopardy. And the right?
2: third is also in, I don't know, a bit dubious nowadays.
1: You're talking about the tech revolution? Uh, no, about yeah, the revolution. China... Oh, no, that's what I mean. Ah, I'm talking about okay, the second and third. Those are the two. Okay. Right? Because what what I think a lot of people don't understand, I think, special, whether it's in Israel or the U.S., for that matter, what people don't realize is that we know actually very little about this war because honestly i've been saying this for the last 6 weeks mm-hmm. that other than the kinetic other than alongside the kinetic war where people are being firing shots at each other a far more important powerful war being fought is over basically the war of disinformation you know the information warfare during this war so far waged by both sides has been absolutely like listen Mind-boggling, yeah. you know. They're both I mean, pretty good. They're both pretty good, and I don't believe a word, basically either side saying, okay. But the bottom line here is this: there is no question that this has been. But to me, there's no question that this war, really, if you think about it, is not about Russia and Ukraine. To me, this is this is a proxy war between U.S. In china that is something people don't realize you think
0: russia t- is is now a proxy
1: of china listen let me tell you this they met
2: she yeah. and putin met a few weeks before the war started famously listen and no let, one knows listen, let it.
1: me tell you a little bit about this because there's, there's a whole background in this and this is this is why i'm not i'm not i'm not listen i'm not I'm not not creating conspiracy theories. I mean, all these things I'm going to tell you, you can back up in facts. You can even look it up in fake news media like the New York Times, okay? Now, let me tell you this, right? For the last five years, okay, there's no doubt the U.S. has become ever more wary about the rise of China. I can tell you a couple of years ago, I was invited, you know, by the... The Defense Department, to go down to Washington, you know, going to the Pentagon to talk to them about the U.S.-China relationship. And I can tell you, they're very concerned about the rights of China because they're wary that China could challenge the American hegemony. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, and this is why they went out of their way to kill Huawei, for example. I mean, if you remember, Huawei was yeah. this great Chinese company. The Chinese spent 20 years building up this company, and it took the U.S. two years to completely destroy it. I mean, so that it would never challenge the American dominance in, basically, information technology. Now, what's interesting is this. You know, a year ago, China and Russia signed a strategic partnership. Yeah. Now, let me tell you this. That made... Also, China and Iran, by the way. Well, China and Iran afterwards. That was afterwards. Okay. But China and, basically, Russia first signed a strategic partnership, which may basically Washington very very nervous you can imagine right because you're talking about two countries you know for very different reasons are very good at what they did if they were to get into bed together this could really give America run for its money right China okay has a lot of money but doesn't have any resources Russia doesn't have that much money but has a lot of resources China is strong in engineering Russia is strong in basic sciences You can imagine if the two were to really join forces this could be a a big problem for america moreover a year and a half ago we discovered that both china and russia were leading the u.s in the development of hypersonic missiles right Mm -hmm. it is thought that you know what the chinese and the russians were probably at least two years ahead of basically the americans when it comes to hypersonic missiles not only the u.s are behind but that you know what they don't even have the natural defense against hypersonic missiles which basically cannot be detected even by radar now i think this is when the americans decided well we got to do something now personally personally i'm very much of the view you have to ask yourself the question you know, we can sit here, you know, these days you open a newspaper, all these people who are speculating as to why basically Putin has decided to invade Ukraine, right? They say, oh, wow, he's interested. He wants to rebuild the Soviet empire or that this guy is crazy or that he's about to die. Whatever reason to come up with, you know what? There's a very simple concept in philosophy called Occam's Raisin. Hmm. Oakham's Raisin is an idea that, you know what, the explanation that no the the the, the one, simplest oh,
0: explanation
1: the simplest explanation is the best one. that requires the least amount of assumptions
2: mm-hmm. to me the simplest explanation he wanted to expand his country and yeah. back to the original
1: borders why should that be the simplest because you know what i'll give you an example right today okay you take ukraine as an example ukraine's got a population of 44 million people to occupy a country of that size 44 million i can tell you it requires between 1 to 50 in terms of the ratio of the occupying army versus occupying population. That means you need a million Russian soldiers on the ground to occupy a country of that size. Right now, the entire Russian army is only 800,000 people. Without reserves. Without reserves. Reserves like 2 million more. Exactly. But we're we're talking about active duty soldiers, right? Now, on top of that, what people need to realize is this the russian economy today is the size of that of italy okay
0: yeah florida
1: yeah <laughs> their ability to sustain occupation to attack any country right now is zero i mean they know it again that's what i'm saying you think about this and like, let's just assume again, there's a reason why 50 percent of the grandmasters in world chess today are russian because the russians are strategic thinkers i mean there is nobody who thinks more strategic than the russians and then by the way it's not a dictatorship i mean if and the russians are some of the most cynical people cynical people i know so you gotta basically think so my the way the Okun's reason for me in this kind of situation is basically let's assume the guy's rational <laughs> okay just rational you know by the way one of one of the one of the frameworks analytical framework that i use a lot in my analysis over my 20-year career is game theory the reason why like you know game theory is a study of strategic interaction among basically multiple players you all saw the beautiful mind the basically the movie russell Crowe and so on and so forth you know john nash was the father of game theory and so on and so forth the great thing about game theory is that every player is assumed to be rational selfish and calculating that's it they all Bastards in in other words. Okay? There is no monetarism out of Hitler in basically. But if we if we
0: if we go to kinda your expertise, economics, right? One of the breakthroughs in economics was behavioral economics, which came and said people aren't rational, right? Like it's a mistake to think of us as these rational it, it Homo on the, the, the
1: borderline that for example there is like loss aversion that kind of thing yeah. and so on and so forth but we're talking about something very different here because again you're about to commit your country in a war to invade another country mm-hmm. right it, this is not a decision made by like one person he's surrounded by lots of people let's for time being let's assume Let's not assume he's crazy, that he's trying to rebuild the Russian empire, because we don't know. You don't uh, know, I don't know, we, but at least yeah. we should assume that most people, 90% of the people in the world, are fairly rational. So yeah. what would a rational person do? It? Why should a rational person like Putin invade Ukraine? Well, it's very simple. You know, sometimes life's experience, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably a bit older than you. Life has taught me sometimes people actually mean what they say putin has been telling us for a whole year by the way this basically troop deployment on the ukrainian border has been going on since last march so it didn't start like in the last month and they invaded spontaneously it was not a kind of spontaneous invasion it was in the plannings it was in the planning for a whole goddamn year now all that entire time putin said kept saying one thing one thing one thing it was like he wanted he wanted neutrality for ukraine that's it he just wanted now mm-hmm. you said well is that a lot to ask well, in case you don't know, Sweden, Finland, and basically Austria, three countries that are members of the European Union are not NATO members. Number two. By choice. By choice. Number two, in 1991, when Ukraine first became independent, its the con- as Constitution says, basically neutrality. <laughs> It was not until basically three years ago that they passed the constitution amendment to basically, um, to basically now actively seeking NATO membership. My point is this. You know, it's actually very funny if you think about this for a moment, right? Because now Zelensky says he wants, he's, he's agreeable to neutrality, right? Even you read in his newspaper. But can that possibly be true? Because I would argue that in itself is fake news. You know why? Because if Zelensky, let's say tomorrow, decides, okay, fine. You know what? Let's do a deal with Russia. We'll do constitutional neutrality, which is now being discussed. I would say at that point onward, Zelensky is a dead man walking. Because think about this. I mean, he could have agreed to that six weeks ago and prevented the war. Instead, half the country is completely destroyed. Ten million people are displaced. Thousands of people are dead. How the hell could he justify to himself or to his people? all these people dying just so that he could make a decision the same decision 6 weeks later
0: but you don't think the russians pushed them towards nato by invading crimea i mean one of the like didn't the the, the efforts to join nato really spark up after the invasion of crimea but, but
1: from the russian perspective they would tell you that the rev- the so-called 2014 maiden revolution that overthrew a democratically elected president <laughs> was actually sponsored by the u.s it was that that prompted them to basically uh, to invade mm. ukraine and basically next yeah Crimea. but that's not so, their so business it's basically What's,
0: like a their story against their story listen, kind of thing. whatever the story is my word against yeah, your word at this kind point of thing,
1: you know, no? we don't really care because you know what i don't really care you know who is right who's wrong because yeah. at the end of the day you know what we can sit here all day talk about israeli it. really palestinian conflict we would never be able to reach a conclusion about who's right who's wrong or I'm interested in what your listeners should be interested in is what's gonna happen next. Yeah. Right? What is gonna happen next is very simple. I just told you. Zelensky could not possibly be persuaded to do a deal with Russia right now. Right? So no he's matter, he's all in. He's all in because in some sense, right, as I said before, if he were to give in now, after his country's been completely destroyed, he would agree you know, give in now and agree to the terms that, you know, of constitutional neutrality. He's going to go in the history book as probably the worst and the most incompetent, clueless leader ever.
2: Unless they okay? got, get him to his knees, which they couldn't do up until now. To do to, to what? To, to, to get him yeah, on, on his knees. knees.
1: To get who on his knees? The, if the Russians... Zelensky. They back who? him into sure. a corner. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying like, volunt- I'm just saying voluntarily. Yes. Voluntarily. Okay. Yes.
2: Now... Because they're doing but, pretty
1: good exactly. fighting back, right. he can afford sure. not to back off. Sure. So now think about this. Now you say, well... Zelensky cannot be a total idiot, right? I mean, the guy's Jewish after all. You know, I mean, like, you know, there can be such a <laughs> dumb Jewish guy, right? I mean, even though he's only half Jewish. I think, you know, there's no doubt. Like, Zelensky, you know, I mean, the guy, <laughs> his biggest backer is Washington. I don't care what the, listen, we can sit here all day and speculate. There is no way, okay, Zelensky would have dared the Russians without backings from the Americans who told yeah, him from we'll have his back. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you something else. Now, you say, well, can the Americans at this point, will the Americans tell Zelensky, you know what, too many people are dying, it's not worth it, oil price, all that is terrible. Why don't just basically like finally, you know, agree to Putin's terms? You think that's possible? No way, Jose. And the reason is very simple. Because if Zelensky would to sign a deal with Putin tomorrow, you know, on these terms, this would not just be a Russian victory over Ukraine. It will be a Russian victory over the U.S. Because Zelensky is fighting with American money, fighting with American arms, fighting with American training. This will be a complete blow to a credibility of American foreign policy. Like Where's China here? Well, I'm going to come game. back to this. In fact, the United States cannot, okay, fold the car right now. Because what message will be sending the Chinese? It's like, well, America is going to support Taiwan, but when push comes to shove, (laughs) well, we're going to do nothing. What I'm saying is, you know, there's a Chinese saying that since once you basically mount the back of a tiger, you cannot get off. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, Zelensky cannot get off now because now it's like, you know, he's all in, (laughs) right? Because otherwise he's dead. For the Americans, they have to be all in now because if they don't, given what's happened, they're going to lose all their credibility. You even think about this. Meanwhile, just think about all the other countries. India. Do you know last week, it was actually very interesting, okay? Last week, Boris Johnson had organized a delegation of senior, okay, British MPs to visit New Delhi to emphasize, to basically put pressure on New Delhi to basically take a tougher stance on Russia. Guess what? The last minute, Prime Minister Modi canceled their trip instead the Chinese foreign minister made an unexpected visit in Delhi for the first time in two years you Uh know what all these do you know that the president of South Africa declared in his in front of his own parliament that you know what he said that it's the mistake it was the mistake of NATO that brought on this war okay you I don't have to tell you bin salman okay in saudi arabia wouldn't even take a phone call from joe biden (laughs) and in fact opec by not agreeing to increase oil production is allowing putin to weaponize this and i think for all for one reason again people are rational and they're calculating all these countries brazil india these countries by the way together they are bigger in real purchasing power than us europe you know Canada, Australia, Japan combined. Well, these are big countries we're talking about. Yeah, Brazil, no. India. Yeah. Okay, the Brit countries. Indonesia. No, because all these countries, they realize, I just told you before, if the Americans succeed you know, to defeat Russia, in other words, remove Putin from power by resorting to economic, basically, war, if the U.S. succeeds, they could be next. They will be next. And this is why nobody's giving in, because again, what you have to understand is that what the U.S. has done to Russia is something that they never been did to North Korea or to Iran in terms of economic sanctions. The sanctions they impose on Russia are something that are designed to set back the Russian economy for the next 20 years. And I think the Americans did this partly to weaken any partnership between Russia and China. They want to send a strong message to China. That you don't want to go down this path with Russia because we're going to. This is why two weeks ago, if you remember, Biden did a, did a summit phone call Zoom with, uh, with Xi Jinping and he told him those words. OK, that, you know what, you know, any material support that China gives to Russia, there will be serious consequences. Mm-hmm. So what I'm telling you right now is like, you know what, so the Americans cannot back down because their whole foreign policy under the Biden administration is completely on the line. Zelensky cannot back down. Putin doesn't have to back down because guess what? The latest opinion poll shows that he now enjoys 78% approval rating by an independent, okay, survey company that he has accused in the past as being an asset of basically Western intelligence, right?
2: Yeah, but when you call a Russian guy and you ask him questions, you obviously I tell you the,
1: uh, I, I've i been working I, I actually I I recently launched my own survey you know in basically in partnership with uh Rewi, which is a Canadian um company that is basically the leader in online survey technology they they their their clients you know include like the UN World Bank and many many intelligence agencies in the world let me tell you this and because one of the reason why they're they're so popular among these people is because they develop technology that allows people to answer questions anonymously this is why we think more truthful yeah you know but what if
0: it, i'm a if, I, if i'm an average russian citizen and i get an email about answering a survey no, no, no. Well,
1: you, not, it's not an email it's not an email it's literally online it's a random you basically type in it let's just say you're, you you want to go to the new york times website and you you misspell the thing you might end up going to another website and that's where you're presented the questions okay but Forget about all that. What I'm telling you is this, okay? What people don't know about the Russians is this. Okay. If you look at the history of the Russian people, and there are a lot of Russians here in Israel, and you can go find out for themselves. Russia, you know, I, I've worked all over the world. You know, I mean, By the way, I was working the International Monetary Fund in 1998, the year that Russia defaulted the value in post-capital controls. So that was a hard, hard time for Russia. But if you look back at the last thousand years, there are there isn't another nation that suffer as much as the Russians, and because only until you know two hundred years ago, except for the Jews, the Jews was not the Jews were not a nation yet. But moreover, I don't know another nation were as patriotic as the Russians, patriotism and the ability to suffer. You understand only until two hundred years ago, not even less than that. You know, 90%, 80% of Russian people were serfs. In other words, they were slaves. (laughs) So you have to understand that the Russian people have been suffering, whether it was under serfdom, and then basically it was uh, the Soviet communists, basically gulag, whatever. These people have suffered a lot. And then before that, the Mongols. Okay, they were very, very cruel towards the Russians. But let me tell you one thing about the Russians. The Russians are mediocre people, culturally, until they're invaded. Napoleon decided to invade Russia, and Russia just basically mobilized, and then that was the downfall of Bonaparte. Hitler decided to invade Russia, and guess what? The Soviet Union mobilized and defeated Hitler in, Western, in the Eastern Front. By the way, you got to think about this: the Second World War. At the end of the day, there was the Brits play a very marginal role. I mean, Churchill was a great man in, what, in terms of the the, the the thoughtfulness that was basically guiding the whole thing. But in terms of, like, it was the U.S. and the Soviet Union that defeated Germany. And remember, it was after the Soviet Union had defeated Hitler in, basically, in the Eastern Front, before the Americans really started to basically roll, roll up, basically, in Europe. My point here is this. The Russian people, it's pretty amazing. The Russian people are highly divided people. They're very cynical people. They're very pessimistic people. But when they feel threatened that's when the whole country rally together and that's when Russia becomes a different beast and I guarantee you one thing I'm willing to bet anything on is that Russia <laughs> is like we've just woken up this dragon now just think about this the reason why the Russians went nowhere in the last 10 years is that first of all their brightest minds all came to Israel <laughs> a lot of them came to Israel Secondly, he's like all these basically oligarchs, right? Every, every penny they made, they're trying to get it out of the country as soon as possible. Guess what? There's no place they can basically park their money safely anymore, right? Their money is being mm-hmm. literally confiscated here, confiscated. Except no. Israel, some might say. Israel is now under pressure, also there, too, basically. Believe me, what's going to happen now? The Russians now realize they only have Russia, Mother Russia and let's make the best of it and let's as putin said fuck them all because i think this is actually he said it he said it but listen the point here is this <laughs> i'm, I'm just telling video. you Zelensky cannot back down the americans cannot back down putin will not back down and he doesn't have to back down and all the other countries like china brazil india need to take a side basically but they there's need to another take a side, way but Yep.
0: there's another way to i mean tell the story right there's a there's there's another way to look at it which is that Russia is this place with abysmal human rights right that that he's maybe not a dictator i mean he is for all intents and purposes a dictator right I don't think anybody questions the the actual legitimacy of elections and uh in Ru- or everybody questions the actual legitimacy of elections in russia. And that he's this kind of thug that, you know, yes, he he legitimately considered NATO an encroaching threat, and he legitimately saw it as, okay, I need to defend myself. But in the end, he took proactive action and preemptive action against Ukraine, invaded Crimea, invaded Ukraine in the end, and is now causing, you know, a, a immense amount of devastation in Ukraine. So, I mean, isn't there kind of the other side to it, which is that... that Russia is this, yeah, we, I'm not saying that necessarily the, the, you know, the U.S. has no part in bringing this on themselves, but like that Russia is obviously taking a stance here that's super problematic geopolitically and that they're the the aggressor. Yeah, that they're
1: the aggressor. I I think it it really, it depends how you look at this. I'm, I'm actually, you know, again, from a point of view of, if we just imagine we're playing this chess game. Right. again that's why i don't want us to start to label people as thugs or saints whatever yeah. it is because i assume that biden Zelensky, putin xi jinping they're all calculating selfish bastards so from that point of view let's think about it in those terms as opposed to trying to basically you know give them other names but the way i look at this is this right you know and i'm not the only person who's saying this okay it was very interesting i told you the at the end of the cold war End of cold war came in 1991 at the time that was basically, uh, that was when, guess what, a lot of Eastern European countries, like Poland, for example, wanted to join NATO. And Bill Clinton said, sure, let's make this happen. Now, already back then, in, in the 1990s, George Cannon, George Cannon is not a name that, you know, you guys may know, but George Cannon was then, is, is the architect of America's Cold War containment strategy that succeeded in the end to bring down the Soviet Union, right? So there is nobody who knows more about the Russians than George Kennan. He and 50 other leading Russian experts at a time co-basically signed a statement saying that the expansion of NATO was not only a huge mistake, but that george cannon's own words it was a mistake that was going to call the found cause the founding fathers to basically twist in their graves okay mm. because think about this right nato was created okay to guess what to fight communism. <laughs> communism now when the soviet union collapsed right when you know there was no more communism so the question is at that point why did you even need basically like nato at all right And not only that, you started basically bring on members who were former members of, you know, the Warsaw Pact, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And then you're getting closer and closer to Russia. So the Russians are thinking, like, you know what? You know, by the way, Putin in two thousand actually offered to join NATO, and he was politely declined. Okay. The point here is this: I think the Russians asked to join NATO when it wasn't. I think it was in two thousand wow okay that's crazy and he was told basically no the point here is this (laughs) the point here is this that I think the Russians feel threatened
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think with good reason and I'm not saying this is David Wu saying this I'm telling you some of the most important experts American experts on Soviet affairs on foreign policy thought it was a mistake in fact as late as you know 2014 Kissinger came out and said that the most obvious solution to the Ukraine problem was constitutional neutrality for Ukraine. (laughs) So even Kissinger basically understood that this was like an easy solution. Now again... So why do
0: you think Ukraine pursued... Uh, you think it was? It was really the people. Uh, the a strategy. people want... No, it was a proxy by the United States.
1: Listen, this get into. Can, I, can we talk about? You want to talk? You want to hear some conspiracy theories? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: You want to hear some juicy? But I don't know if you can air this. But no. I think you know what now. Ah, it's out, we can you know. air everything.
0: Give us something that'll get us kicked off of Spotify. Yeah,
1: right. okay. <laughs> we can <laughs> air, air yeah. anything. Well, anyway, the last two weeks, yeah, you've all heard a lot about. Hunter Biden's hard drive, did you not? Yeah, know? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You heard about that. There yeah. was a New York Times and the New Washington Post. So basically, it's all over now, right? Now, even in New York Times, had to admit. I've been talking about this for the last, like, 18 months, right? It's up until now. Like, you know what? If you remember, there's just, a Ukraine
2: connection, right?
1: To the well, first of Hunter all, story. what is the story here? The story here is that in 2014, right? 2014, after Russia went in and basically, Crimea, all of a sudden, Ukraine became an important <laughs> crisis point during the Obama administration. So Obama made Joe Biden his appointment on Ukraine. Okay. A couple of months later, don't quote me on a date, but two or three months later, maybe even one month later, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, was appointed to the board of Burisma, which is the largest natural gas company in Ukraine is supposedly getting a monthly salary of eighty thousand dollars. Okay, to put that in perspective, right? I mean, this is the man, so that we're talking about like seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, right? I mean, that's a mm-hmm. lot of money. But if you look it up yourself again, only two. Years. What, what what was Hunter Biden doing until then? Hunter Biden until, drugs until two thousand twelve. Hunter Biden was an officer Ukrainian in the US.
0: drugs and ukrainian
1: hookers (laughs) until 2012 hunter biden was an officer in the u.s navy in 2012 he was expelled from the navy having tested positive for drugs okay and his first big gig was getting this job at burisma now with no expertise in natural gas no expertise on ukraine of course but that goes without saying now the point here is this at the time the Attorney General of Ukraine was conducting an investigation of Burisma, okay, when Hunter Biden was appointed to the board.
2: You know. That's uh, before the 2014 revolution? No, 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 no. it was 2014,
1: okay? But and before the revolution or after the, revolo- after the, after it the revolution? It was after the it revolution. It was after the revolution. Okay. And then guess what? Shortly after, you know, Hunter Biden was appointed to the board, okay, Joe Biden insisted. That the Attorney General of Ukraine who was conducting this investigation against Burisma be fired. <laughs> and he was fired. And by the way, you can look it up yourself. Now, of course, we don't know the connection. I mean, the fact that, you know, Hunter Biden was working at Burisma and then the guy got fired may not have anything to do with his father. And until now, Joe Biden said, I had nothing to do with my son's business. Which is fine, you know, You know, whatever. So yeah, it's a bit until, too close
0: for comfort.
1: <laughs> until, until the hard drive was discovered, right? If you remember, in 2020, a few months, three months before the U.S. election, right, this hard drive basically came to light. I mean, the New York Post wrote the first article about this. The story went was that, you know, Hunter Biden, his laptop broke down, so he took it to a repair shop and he forgot to pick it up. And then the guy basically from the repair shop kept calling, he never came. So the guy had to look at his hard drive to discover a lot of very interesting emails. And apparently the guy, the repair shop guy, made a copy and gave one to the FBI. And then he gave another copy okay, to Giuliani because he never heard back from basically the FBI. And Giuliani gave it to the New York Post. And the New York Post did a forensic analysis of the hard drive. And one of the emails they unearthed, that whole thing, was an email from a senior executive of Risma to Hunter Biden saying, thank you for setting up that meeting, for meeting your father. It was a pleasure and honor. Now I don't have to remind you, as soon as Washington Post published that article, I mean as soon as New York Post published the article, Twitter shut down. Basically the account for New York Post. Yeah. All the mainstream you, media. You couldn't share, anyone couldn't share the the article on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Exactly on Twitter. In fact, if you recall, fifty former heads of intelligence agency, FBI, CIA, whatever security service all joined wrote a joint letter saying this was a Russian plot. <laughs> to destabilize American basically election once again. So that whole story <laughs> was shut out until two weeks ago, the New York Times finally followed it. Follow up. I don't know follow up, but obviously this thing is about to go public, and the New York Times doesn't want to look bad, so yeah. they want to get in front of the story, and that's what happened. We now know there's an FBI investigation ongoing and it's possible. Because back then, even though the FBI had already had the hard drive in its possession for a few months, according to the repair guy, okay, shop, the FBI never even acknowledged that they had this hard drive in their possession even back then. So, why, what does all that mean to the world economy? What it means is this we have no idea why Ukraine. Why the Ukrainians did not do the, I mean, not do the reasonable thing. Why did the Ukrainians were banking on huge support from the U.S. But from the Biden administration, why all of a sudden Zelensky and Biden, let me tell you this, ever since Biden got elected, Zelensky was trying to get himself invited to the White House. He finally got himself invited, finally, last September. In his press conference, the first thing he said was that, I'm here to basically to basically elicit, to 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 listen the support of the president of the United States for NATO membership of Ukraine. The bottom line here is it's, who knows what is at the personal that's level, a given. The country level.
2: That's a, what's happening is a given, right? But, but but it might it affects and it might affect the economy because I want to get us a bit to sure. economy. Um, although we could go on and on with that. No, but I think it's. I mean, this is it's all intertwined. Can, it's inseparable, of course. But I'm trying to understand, assuming that what you say is true, and it, what it means is that we are going to face months and months and maybe years of war up ahead. I think and what, what gonna, does that mean? Sure. On, on sure. Is, is that a, a fair that what,
1: assessment? What you need to understand, first of all, yeah. this is, again, this is, this is a proxy war. What's going on in Ukraine is a proxy war between the United States and China. Two global superpowers, and... And I think what you need to realize, first of all, for your audience, is this, okay. Under Trump, okay, Trump didn't want the, you know, Trump also recognized that China represent a major threat to the US. And he did not want the Russian and Chinese to get together. So what did he do? He engaged in a divide and rule policy towards both China and Russia. Every time he saw Xi Jinping, he would say, oh, wow, Xi Jinping is a great man. (laughs) The greatest man in China and he's my best friend. Every time we saw Putin, Putin's my best friend, and he is a great man. You know what? This is the reason why under Trump, you know what?
2: Nothing happened. Nothing ever happened.
1: <laughs> okay? Now, now, however, under Biden, everything. Maybe he's started... not so stupid as people say. <laughs> under Biden, everything. So basically, now also under Obama. Obama as well. Obama and Biden's the same. But the point here is, what I'm saying is that right now, it's like, well, you know, you know, I don't tell you, Trump and bin Salman, like, you know, if it hadn't been for Trump's relationship with bin Salman, there wouldn't have been the peace that we saw between Israel, Dubai, you know, Abu Dhabi, and so on and so forth. I mean, that was an incredible thing. I mean, you think about this, right? Because it's ultimately, it's about the personality, the president of the United States, that was, that was in the business of making deals, right? Right now, the Americans are not even on speaking terms with the Russians. I mean, there is no deal-making even happening. All they're doing is writing more checks to the Ukrainians, sending more arms to Ukrainians, so to basically fight to death, right? It's a war to the last men, except the last Ukrainian man. It's
0: amazing no. how quickly it like, turned around. It went downhill, right? I mean, just, what is it, like four years ago, even less, Trump was meeting
2: with Putin, shaking hands.
1: Exactly. Because you know what? What's
2: That's a regime's change in, in America. You change the president, you change everything, 180%.
0: Yeah, but talk about screwing the pooch. I mean, like, Biden showed up, and within no time, it's just devolved yeah. into a all-out war. World, world chaos.
1: You know, you know what it is? You know what it is? And this is obviously, just like right now, people say, oh, well, Putin's crazy. Back then, it was like they said Trump was crazy, right? Because people who make deals are crazy. No, but I think, you know, the important thing to understand about this is that when Trump said that he wanted to make America great, you know what he really meant? He wanted to make America great for the little guys. (laughs) Trump was not interested in the glory of America, enjoying global domination, that kind of thing, right? Trump was not a globalist. Trump was only interested in the little guys. Now think about who's suffering, who are most suffering from basically this war in Ukraine the little guys right the little guys who are basically paying you know if you think about inflation being eight percent right i mean so much of his energy food and so on, so forth poor people they spend disproportionately more money on energy and food than rich people yeah so there is no doubt the biggest loser are the little guys and not just the little guys in america the little guys worldwide just think about the people in africa the the children who are going to go to bed hungry tonight because wheat prices have gone up 25 percent as a result of this war so if you think about what this really means so again trump was not interested in glory for america okay which is a very different thing than the people around biden people around Biden like blinken and others they're they're called you can look it up again you can google this before basically before the election just shortly after the election you know people were talking about the neocons are going to get senior appointments in this administration, which they all did, by the way. And what do the neocons believe? And by the way, you tend to associate neocons with, like, you know, with the Iraq War, you know, with, you know, with Republicans, but that's not true anymore. Okay, there are many Democrats who are basically in the neocon mode. The neocon believes in three things. They believe, first of all, a unipolar world in which the U.S. is at top. Two, they believe, and the reason is because they believe in the supremacy of liberal democracy. They think it's the best system in the world, okay? And thirdly, they believe in interventionist foreign policy, okay? Trump didn't believe any of this. (laughs) He didn't believe that, oh, wow, America, there could only be like one power at the top. That's the U.S. He didn't care about liberal democracy per se, right? I mean... He certainly did not care about whether other countries adopt liberal democracy, by the way. Okay? I mean, this is why I've always said. Trump always said when he was the, the whole Hong Kong protest, he said, you know what? I was not elected the president of Hong Kong. <laughs> I was, I was basically, basically elected as president of the United States. I'm not going to basically compromise, you know, basically the interests of American people in order to basically save the Hong Kong people. What for? Anyway, that's not his mandate. And thirdly, Trump does not believe in interventionist foreign policy. That's why he, he, he wanted to pull back from this place and that place and so on and so forth. So my point here is it's a very different vision. This is what you need to understand. is two very different visions, okay, about America's, America's place in the world and what it means for the little guys, which has to do with economics. Because there is no doubt that this war mm-hmm. is a very expensive war for the little guys. Economically, it's only bad. (laughs) It's really, really bad, because what people don't mean this is this is why, like you know, just people don't get it. Like you know, he said, "Well, you know, Russia is such a small; it's you know, just size of Italy. So who cares? Like you know, Russia sanction, right? I mean." Unfortunately, as you probably know by now, Russia is the largest oil exporter in the world. They are the biggest exporter of nickel, aluminium. They're basically like the biggest export of neon gas, without which you can basically can make semiconductors and so on and so forth. From
2: Italy, from visiting and talking to Italians, that you know, lots lots of their tourist places are like the main clientele is oh. Russians. So they are preparing to a devastating season without any clients. So this can demolish economies. Exactly. Italian economy, for example, which is already demolished. And and, and who knows
1: the ripple effect of of that? I'm glad you basically brought this up because the only people... So you you look at this game, right? You say all these people around the table, they have reasons for this thing to continue, (laughs) right? Except for one people, the Europeans. Because the Europeans definitely are getting the short end of the stick, right? I mean, the European economy now is literally teetering on the edge of another recession, right? Because they're so dependent on Russian on gas and oil. They're dependent on Russian tourism in some places. Germany, you know, Russia is one of the largest trading partners for Germany. This is going to be a complete disaster for Europe. The question, however, you have to ask yourself is that why didn't the Europeans stand up to the americans and say you know what we're going to take this one (laughs) we're going to try to mediate a peace agreement between russia and ukraine that's the question that the germans and the french they could have said to the americans you know what leave this alone this is a european story we're going to work this one out they didn't partly because i think you know what you had a new government in germany had, it, had Angela Merkel still be chancellor in Germany I think things probably would have been worked out because she has a lot of credibility with the Americans with the Russians and so, so forth if Macron had been a different person the problem is that the guy is a jerk okay and he's immature okay be, things could have might have worked out differently I think you know it's it's unfortunate but you're exactly right Europe right now they realize it's like actually you know it's very interesting so, you remember, two weeks ago, you know, Biden was in Poland. That was when he made the speech about regime change, right? And then he, they said, well, afterwards, like, he didn't mean what he After said. After
2: the, the Poles wanted him to come for some time, if I'm not mistaken, he yes. wouldn't come to Poland. Yes. He would boycott Poland for some time, right? Exactly. Because of the regime there, it's exactly. too right-wing for him. Yeah. And until finally he had to come
1: because yeah. <laughs> exactly. who knows why. And they still talking about regime change. It was very interesting the ne- the reactions from the European capitals the next day. It was shocking, because the European leaders were were in total shock, because like they never heard such language—not from Biden, not from Trump, not from any American president since basically in the first—I mean—in the, the Second World War. You know, they all of a sudden woke up to the realization that they did not sign up for this, <laughs> right? They didn't think that they were going after Putin to basically bring about regime change. And they understand what that means because Putin's going to hit the nuclear button before he allows himself to be taken out. Let me tell you this. was funny, almost. The British, which until now has been the most f- vociferous, the most vocally critical of Russia, Putin sanctions, that kind of thing. The next day, okay, after Biden's speech, the British foreign minister came out and said that if Putin were to withdraw his troop, we'll get rid of the, all the sanctions right away. <laughs> You know what? This is why the Europeans are waking up to this reality, but I'm sorry, it's a Still little bit late. too late.
0: But Biden Biden walked back those words, right? Cuz I think he he doesn't he doesn't really keep track of what he's saying or or what he's what he's Listen, claiming have- anymore these days, but I'm wondering if if I mean, we're talking about how quickly things took a turn for the be- worse once Biden took came into office I mean if, if in two years time he's gone could things turn around just as quickly First or is all, it harder it's, three, it's
1: years. three years three years three years yes and I think you know three years is a very long time will there be a globe <laughs> in three years exactly. there be I, I think well listen I think this is where the economics comes in mm-hmm. okay this is actually where it gets interesting because you say well what what has to change for somebody around the table to change course that's you know that that's that's what I do for a living right you're making forecasts you realize that people have a certain reaction function they have a certain incentive function and then they're going to keep doing what they're doing because it's in their best interest until it no longer makes any sense now you say what what would it and I'm telling you the Russians are capable are capable of great suffering (laughs) so mystery is not going to stop the Russians you know Zelensky, half of the country is already destroyed. If he's going to, another basically 30% of countries destroyed, I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's not going to change him. The Chinese, none of them. No. The only thing that can change the Americans, in my view, because America is, only understands the power of money. <laughs> if, the US, if the U.S. stock market drops 25%, and the U.S. economy goes into recession, I think then, the u s will change course because you know to understand this logic, you have to understand it's until now it's like, well America says, you know what? you know we're not Europe, right? Europe is dependent on Russian energy, but we're not dependent on Russian energy. you know, Europe is close to Russia we're like really, really far away, and anyway, we're not planning to sending any soldiers, okay on the ground anyway, and then basically there are no. Ru- Russian tourists in the U.S. is nothing, right? U.S. trade with Russia is almost nothing. So from a U.S. standpoint, economically, they thought it was not going to be a a big deal, right? And the U.S. economy was growing strongly and so on and so forth. But I think the Americans make a mistake. I think actually, in the end, you'll see, and this is my my prognosis for the U.S. economy in the next space in a couple of months, Mm. Is not good. And I'll tell you why, because we said already, even before this, even before Russia invaded Ukraine, inflation was already run away, <laughs> right? The Federal Reserve was already basically getting ready to start to basically tighten the monetary policy by raising interest rates. Just think about this. You're now getting more inflation, okay? Coming basically, you're importing oil, because at the end of the day, oil, at the end of the day, you know, American consumers are paying more or less the same international price for oil as consumers anywhere else in the world, right? That, that's the bottom line, because oil, it doesn't really matter who produces what, you know, the consumers paid the same international price, which is what, $110 a barrel right now in the world. America's a little bit less than that, but not much more. But the point here is this, this is gonna put a lot of pressure on the Fed to keep raising interest rates. And that ultimately is gonna tip the US into a recession i mean already it's because, actually very mortgages
2: and uh, and loans are gonna well, yeah, skyrocket because, yeah. the prices
1: mortgage rates last week hit five percent which is the highest level in three years mm-hmm. okay consumer confidence okay last week came out it hit basically lowest level in 10 years so basically okay. people
2: will go bankrupt
1: listen all this is gonna take a bit of time. Yeah. Okay. And then the stock market is in a bubble and so on and so forth. And this caused the stock market to basically bubble to burst and that kind of thing. That's what normally happens. I mean, nine out of ten times, I mean if you look back at the last whatever eight recessions, six of them were brought on by basically a spike in oil price. Okay, while interest rates are going up. So this is this won't be the first time, nor be the last time, and I can guarantee you that. By the way, one of the few recessions that was not brought on by a spike in energy price, of course, was the recession in two thousand when COVID came along. Okay, that obviously had nothing to do with, but that that kind of recession doesn't happen that often. But oil usually plays a very big part. Is, okay. there,
0: is there something the U.S., there was talk in the U.S. about the Keystone XL and maybe that solving or alleviating part of the yeah, oil but that's the prices. problem, right?
1: Because the Democrats, yeah. right, they came in with very green policy, right? They stopped the, basically the Keystone Pipeline. In fact, ever since the Democrats came in, right, mm-hmm. oil production in the U.S. has actually uh, has been recovering very slowly. I mean, we haven't even gone back to where there was before the pandemic, because I can tell you this, you know, there's you you might have heard of this call ESG investing thing, whatever. It, basically, the bottom line here is right now, in the last year since the Democrats took over, banks have become much more reluctant to give out loans to companies to engage in oil drilling. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. Because like banks are worried that what happens if the all these progressive people start to basically like, you know, demonstrate, forget about regulation. This is about like reputation effect. Imagine like all of a sudden these environmentalists, progressives start to basically line outside your bank headquarters every day saying that you're killing the planet. So and then all these companies, okay, investors, they don't want to invest in energy companies because they might be accused of trying to abet these basically oil guys to ruin the planet. So as a result, the whole oil industry has been bunkering down, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want, so basically you don't want, you you want to cut your dependence on fossil fuel. At the same time, you want to basically stop the Russians. (laughs) Okay, you want to stop the world from importing Russian oil. So what are you gonna do? There is no half, it's like this, right? Windmills. Well, that's, that's it. Windmill is... You know what? You know the problem with windmill? What people don't realize is, is that You windmill, can get stuck on the windmill and die. Do you, know, do you know how... Do you know for every wind turbine, it requires something like half a million tons? Half a million, basically, tons of... Um, a ton of, basically, copper. You know, to make a, the wind turbine, by the way, it's actually very interesting. If you if you were like, you know, the biggest wind turbine manufacturer in the world is a Norwegian company. The stock went through the roof last year. Right now the stock is down sharply. Nobody can make money anymore. Because what happens is to make wind turbines, you need all these raw materials. Price of which have gone up 50%, 100%, 150%, whatever. It's impossible. Because again, this is even with Good news wind, for the birds exactly thank god for the birds you're talking about just five percent of the world's energy being met by wind mm-hmm. already this is driving up commodity prices to levels that no longer commercial so can you basically really substitute fossil fuel and this is the, actually the end this is actually a very interesting thing because right now it's like well the americans are telling the, the the germans we want you to impose sanctions i want you to stop basically buying energy from russia because right now at this point right they want putin to go by the way it's not just basically, you know, last week was actually very interesting. You, you might have heard of this historian by the name of Niall Ferguson. Mm-hmm. You know, he was former Harvard professor. He's now basically, uh, you know, at the Hoover Institute. And he wrote an article last week that came out on Bloomberg in which he quoted, this is a guy, you know, he's a bit of a neocon himself. This is why he gets invited to a lot of very, you know, fashionable, you know, private events in Washington. And he reported supposedly... You know, he actually wrote this out like as, as a quote that a senior Biden administration official was was you know said okay at a private event that the only game in town now is regime change in Russia and this was 2 days before Biden mentioned the word regime change by the way this is not I don't think at this point you need to be a conspiracy theorist to think that the Americans are really thinking about this for the reason I just gave you before. They of course, it's their them. wet dream for exactly. regime. Okay, we I'm have, gonna, yeah, I we have like that. two I'll minutes. Okay,
2: ahead. I have a killer question. A brilliant question. Let's go see ahead. whose question is better. <laughs> go. Mine is, in two minutes,
1: will China invade Taiwan? I don't think so. I think, listen, put it this way. China would invade Taiwan only if Taiwan to hold a referendum and decide to become an independent country that's it okay and china will not taiwan will never hold a referendum okay on referendum for independence only if unless the americans said go ahead (laughs) (laughs) this is actually a perfect example okay this is again the taiwanese won't have the guts to hold a referendum without the americans saying you know what Will basically have your back and basically there will be no consequence for you to do this. And this is very important. This is why what happened, in Ukraine <laughs> is so important. That's why the government in Taiwan right now is looking at Zelensky. Interestingly, right? You know, imagine Zelensky right now is an international superstar. He even addressed the Emmy yesterday. But this guy, half his country is already destroyed. Because people in a run. I can't think. I mean, the, the Taiwanese president was asking, look like, around, would you really want to see half of Taiwan completely destroyed so that you can basically speak to at an Emmys or whatever it is? You know.
2: He actually spoke at the Emmys, by the way. Yes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. What was yours? Well, a- Andrew
0: Cuomo wrote, won an Emmy. So after that, I mean, I guess anybody. Um, I want to say, I, I want to ask as the little guy, take us back to the economics. As a little guy, what, what can I do? to better prepare for what's, really, what's ahead really
2: have two minutes yeah.
1: yeah i think for the little guy honestly now I, I think it depends where where is the little guy is the little guy in israel with is a little guy somewhere else right let's say a little guy in yeah. the us i would say first of all i'm, I'm interested in israel because this is I mean, I mean i i i think israel is an excellent position i think most israelis don't realize how good they have it and one of the reasons why i'm so optimistic about Israel. Is that Israel is not allowing itself to become, to be dragged into one camp or the other. Okay. This is a situation where, you know, and I think Bibi was very good at it, which is to navigate between the Americans, the Russians, and the Chinese. Because I think what this is, what the big lesson right now, if you're a Ukrainian, it's like you can't trust the Americans. <laughs> When push comes to shove, nobody's gonna come save you. You're completely on your own. It doesn't really matter to give you money, whatever. Your people are gonna die. <laughs> because I think end the day, global politics, you know, this is a proxy war between China and the US. The US decided to go after China, even if it means that Ukraine is gonna be completely destroyed. That is of secondary interest. And I think Israel needs to continue to basically, I think there's really generally a cynical, especially on the right, On the left, I think Israelis have a tendency to trust the Americans too much. And I think this is a situation where I think the big lesson here is this. Like, Also, I'll tell you something else. The single most important, you say, well, what is this Cold War about between China and the US and Russia? Not at the end of the day. They're not going to go to war with each other because they're both nuclear nations. They can destroy the world a few times over with the stock of nuclear weapons. This is not gonna about the economy, so to speak, because both are very, very large economies. It's gonna come down to one thing. This Cold War is about the war over technology. This <laughs> is the only thing both sides understands perfectly that technology is gonna win this Cold War, whoever's gonna win. Israel, okay, has what everybody else wants okay which is this culture of innovation technology that's how israel should position itself and also let me tell you this the coming recession there will be a recession coming because we're now if i'm right, that this war is going that this that that basically what's happening in Korea is a dress rehearsal for the coming cold war between us and china or the us block versus the china block the world is going to we're going to go in the recession very soon in a recession environment I can guarantee you anti-semitism is going to get really, really bad, as we've seen in the last couple of years already. Israel and, wins again. And then all the Jews in come the world, here. they're going to come to Israel. And for all the great, right reason, by the way. So from that point of view, I personally think Israel is the place to be, because I think Israel just needs to be smart. It needs to be smart, you know, diplomatically.
2: Last words, because we got to... Okay. Okay.
1: Oh, okay, that was the yeah, and I think this is why I think BB. I mean, I again, I'm an American, I you know, my parents from China. I, I mean, listen, let's think about this, right? I was born in Pittsburgh, okay? <laughs> I was born in Pittsburgh, I grew up in Taiwan. My parents came from China, I was educated in the US. I spent half of my working career in Europe, and now I work now I live in Israel full time. Wow, I've <laughs> met a lot of <laughs> prime minister presidents. I've you know, my my team at Bank America, that, you know, basically, was, you know, we were, my team of fifty analysts at Bank America, we were forecasting one hundred fifty countries. You know, we were ranked number one in the world. Basically, the year I left, I, I, I've analyzed a lot of people. Netanyahu is probably the best basically prime minister I've seen in the last 10 years anywhere in the world. And I think this is why Israel is in a very unique position today. You met him, you mean? I've never met him. Ah, Okay. I'm just looking at the policy that's happened under Mm -hmm. him that makes Israel what it is today. And I just hope the people who are now running the government don't screw that up.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen to that um Word. wow david Wu, thank you so it so much for fascinating for really i feel fascinating. like we gotta do
1: really. a
2: follow-up in a few months <laughs>
1: yeah are you up for to it to see if i'm completely wrong yes absolutely if i'm okay. wrong we can definitely do a follow-up cool. we'll check know. in every and if you're right also we'll do a follow-up yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> okay it'll be as interesting <laughs> thank you so much okay let's plug your channel you have a youtube channel how can people find it
1: yeah so it's david Wu unbound okay. u-n-b-o-u-n-d and you know i put out a video every sunday you know around you know 7 pm israel time and the idea is that i focus on the theme of the week usually is a major macro theme i talk about what i think by simply looking at numbers and facts and at the end i'll tell you how you can actually make money even okay i'm gonna subscribe Amazing. and you're on twitter and i'm on twitter
2: as well Woo I'm... is guys it's W W O O W O O. if you're wondering okay Absolutely. thank you so much it was Thank you, thank you. I'm speechless. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, really incredible. Uh, Thank you, and we'll see you next time, guys. Bye, guys. Okay, take care. Bye.